Howdy and welcome to the Growing the Next Version of You show. My name is Mike Rochelle. I'm a strategic influencer who collects meaningful relationships, actionable philosophies, and methods to help people and organizations refine their purpose for results growth. Every week, I chat with thought leaders as we explore leadership as a mind, body, and spirit, yes, an inside-out experience that helps us grow and make the world a better place. Join me. Well, Steve Helms, it's so good to see you here. It's good thanks, to be here. Thanks for coming out to Highland Village and uh, spending a Friday afternoon with me. You bet. Uh, it's, uh, we've had uh, lots of uh, different activities. The prayer breakfast is coming up pretty soon. Mm -hmm. uh, you just uh, deposited your daughter at the happiest place on earth, right? <laughs> yeah, Texas A&M University. Texas A&M, that's right. So um, <laughs> that's exciting. And... Um, I'm really excited to have you here today because what I want to do is I want to get to know you better. Mm -hmm. uh, we've we've had, I don't know, seven years or so kind of knowing yeah. each other as friends and doing some yeah. great things together with the Association for Business Technology Professionals mm -hmm. and the mm -hmm. DFW Technology Prayer Breakfast in partnership. So um, I'm really excited that you're here. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. So uh, what I'm going to do today, uh, just from a cadence perspective for you in the audience to understand where we're going uh, I'm going to read Steve's bio. We're going to have a little bit of interaction around that. Uh, then I'm going to ask you, Steve, to do a personal introduction from a mind, body, spirit perspective, kind of where you came from, what made you you, who made mm -hmm. you who, and and what all the things are that uh, that contributed to that. Um, we'll talk about some, some topics that we've decided in advance that we're going to discuss. Uh, then we'll talk about some other things, maybe some influencers and things like that, that you have mm -hmm. and I have. And, and, um, and then we'll come back around to the prayer breakfast. Um, I'll read a little bit of an intro again for that. And then uh, we'll see if there's anything else that we want to talk about before we, uh, we part ways today. Terrific. Sounds good. Sound like a plan? Yeah. All right. So um, Steve Helms has been a technology sales professional for 27 years, a Richardson native, Steve graduated from J.J. Pierce High School, received a B.S. in Manufacturing Engineering from Texas A&M University, and his M.B.A. from SMU Cox School of Business with a focus on entrepreneurship. Sun Microsystems gave Steve his first professional opportunity, where Steve began to sell computer technology to telecom providers at a time when the industry was just building out modern Internet infrastructure. This gave him opportunities to serve customers in multiple functions across many industries. Following his time with Sun, Steve garnered, uh, partnered with companies that provide research, consulting services, and software. He currently supports the Global Alliances organization of Dell Technologies. Steve is an active member of Prestonwood Baptist Church, where he served for the last 20 years as a member of the choir, a volunteer in the Children's Awana program, and in his Bible fellowship class resulting in lifelong friendships. Steve is currently serving his church in the pre-teen ministry teaching fifth grade young men about Jesus. Steve is one of the founders of the DFW Technology Prayer Breakfast and was asked to assume the role of president in 2016. Um, he's seen firsthand the amazing work of volunteers who sacrificially give their time and talents to provide an event that introduces the local technology community to Jesus. His hope is that the DFW technology community will be known as the most loving, inviting, and Christ-honoring network of professionals in the world. Steve and his wife, Cappy, love to travel with their children, Holiday, Kate, and Bennett. He has passion for studying history, playing guitar, there's something else we have in common, you know that, uh, cooking outdoors, and running. And his favorite verse is Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6. So, uh, Steve, that's a, a really interesting uh, background. Mm -hmm. uh, can you tell me more, right? So yeah. where, did, where, where did you come from and uh, where do you think you're going? Oh, where, where am I going to go? <laughs> I don't know what I want to do when I grow up, Mike. <laughs> well, that's, that's a, a perennial problem. Yeah, yeah. So um, I came from 
uh, here. So I grew up in Richardson, just down the street. And um, in Richardson, it's where my mom was from, actually. So she grew up in Richardson as well. And at the time that I was a kid there, your parents probably had a dad that either worked for Texas Instruments or supported TI in some way, you know, sold to TI or was a, you know, some other kind of vendor or floated around. Sure. Seemed like Texas Instruments and um, Collins Radio, was that the other one that was out there? Well, those are the big employers. And then maybe your mom was a teacher. So that was my scenario, right? Okay. My dad was an electrical engineer at TI. And my mom was a teacher uh, and a stay-at-home mom for most of the time until we got into junior high. And then she, she went back to teaching. Okay. And, um, you know, grew up going to church in Richardson at First Baptist Richardson. Uh, was a Boy Scout, you know, um, did the Boy Scout thing, was an Eagle Scout, Order of the Arrow, all that kind of stuff. My dad was uh, our Scout Master for years. So very involved in what we were doing. So that was yep. fantastic. Yep. Uh, learned how to do... Another thing we have in common. So I, I, I know, was not yeah. Eagle Scout myself, but I was... Cub master and then mm -hmm. committee chair and Paul as an Eagle Scout. So. Yes, fantastic. I remember that. That was a uh, yeah. that was a big deal. So uh, to me, it was a barely got across the line right before you know you have to get it before you turn eighteen. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was just squeeze right on in, <laughs> and uh, lots of uh, lots of encouragement from my dad to get that done. So mm -hmm. say it that way, it was great. So I'm very glad that uh, that he was there to help me so with thanks, that. Thanks, Dad. Yes, thanks to Dad. And then. Um, you know, then for me growing up, um, music was always a big thing for me. Um, I got into playing guitar when I was uh, when I was young, and then ended up in the band in junior high and high school. Uh, band was a really big part of, of that experience growing up. In fact, so um, did you play? I was a tuba player. Ooh, yeah, got and the bass line. Yeah, the bass line, and I was serious about it. I like really was into it. So. You know, for me, I, I wanted them to give me the hardest things that we could play. So we ended up, when I was in high school, playing some things that had lots and lots of crazy low brass stuff in it. We just had some really good low brass musicians. Awesome. And uh, so I got to play some of the, you know, marquee things that you get to play as a tuba player that people think, wow, you're just laying down, you know, the rhythm track. No, it was, there was a lot of great stuff that was happening there. And to me, that set in, in motion. Um, this idea that our band director was always drilling into us, which was uh, never settle for mediocrity, mm. was one of his two big things was, you know, don't settle for mediocrity in life, no matter what you're doing. So we built that around, you know, just being excellent in performing. Uh, yeah, his other big thing that he pushed on us was, it's not about the performance at the end, it's about the process in between. So uh, learned a lot from him, uh, that carried into all different areas of life. Right. Uh, so that's kind of where I came from, you know, and uh, the mean streets of Richardson, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, suburbia. So First Baptist the whole time that you were uh, mm -hmm. all the way through high school? Yeah, kind of all the way through high school. So we, um, uh, we were members of First Baptist the whole time. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, what happened with us was we just got to the point where we were so busy on, on the weekends we knew that at least one weekend out of the month we weren't gone right. because we were doing the scouting thing. Right. So sometimes that would be two weekends out of the month that you're doing the scouting thing. Right. So you start getting a little bit unplugged and you're not really there. And then, okay, we're going, we didn't go last week. We're not going next week. Cause we got another thing. We're definitely going this week. And then, you know, uh, mom pulls the ripcord because she can't find a dress that she likes if she wants to wear. You know, so we would we would just we kind of unplugged a little bit from church uh, at that time. So maybe junior high and high school siblings too. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah, we got an older brother. He's two years older than me, okay. um, and he's a doctor up in Minneapolis. So ah, cool. Yeah. So okay. he was Boy Scout and everything all the way through as well. Uh, he is uh, what you call a physiatrist. So physical medicine, so I, the way I describe what he does is um, people that do physical therapy and rehabilitation, he prescribes that okay. to them. So he deals with a lot of people that have like spinal cord injuries or other, other things that, that require rehab. Okay. So he's got a practice up there. So, Very cool. Yeah. And so we, um, you know, grew up in Richardson. He, uh, he went to A&M as well. And 
uh, up in Minneapolis and I've stayed uh, stayed in and around here. All the opportunity continues to bring me back. Yeah. You know? Did you do core? I did not do the core of okay. cadets at a &M. My dad did. He was oh. he was class of fifty nine, and he was there when it was all male, all military. Okay. And he kept asking, like, "Are you sure? Maybe you want to do the core? Are you sure? Don't don't you want to do the core?" And uh, at the time, I was a bit of a rebellious teenager. And imagine that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and and my idea of college had a lot, a lot more to do with um, Animal House, right, than it did with the core. So I was like, "Okay, we're going to go have college," and. Um, you know, I don't need somebody breathing down my neck, right. you know, uh, for four years, just trying to make sure that my pants are creased right and all that kind of stuff. Right. Looking back on it, I wish I had done it because uh, I know a lot of people that have gone through the core and I knew a lot of core people when I was there. They're just fantastic human beings. It's a great, great program. But I had uh, um, one of the freshman prank type things that you do when you were living on campus, at least in the dorm that we lived in, was you shave your head. There's a long story to that. So my birthday is in September, and I had, you know, my head shaved for the core dorm prank thing, the, the dorm prank thing. And when I came walking out of the dorm, my dad lit up. He was so excited. He thought oh, maybe I was going to join the core. It's like, no, Dad, it was just a stupid prank. So <laughs> Did they have to hold you down, or did you do it yourself? No, no, it was all volunteer, okay. all volunteer. So it was just kind of a fun thing. Interesting. Yeah. So let, uh, let's go back to scouts before we leave mm -hmm. it. Uh, one of the things when, when the kids were little, you know, anything I get involved in, I'm probably going to be in the leadership of it just yeah. by nature. Yeah. And they asked me to be the cub master. So I'm mm -hmm. like, well, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to learn, you know, mm -hmm. how to be the best cub master I can be and all that kind of stuff. And I'm reading all these materials and I'm like, this oath is really interesting. So I pulled out a, a mission statement that I had mm -hmm. written about five years before we started having kids mm -hmm. uh, from a, a leadership program that had gone through. And it was literally like half of the oath oh, really? of Cub Scouts, which yeah. is you know almost the same thing as Boy Scouts. Uh -huh. So uh, yeah, I think things like that make a difference, don't you? I really do. Foundationally. Yeah. You don't yeah. forget it. Yeah, no question about it. Yeah, I mean, the values uh, that we learned there were terrific, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but also, you know, some of the things that were just, um, gosh, I don't know, do I consider it a value or a habit? Things like um, you leave a place better than you found it. Right. So we would go camping right. and you didn't leave and leave a mess. Right. You left it better than you found it. And so I'm always trying to drill that into my kids now yep. you know, when they go into the kitchen. You know, <laughs> leave it a little better than you found it. You know, just... <laughs> <laughs>
So where to go after scouts and and uh, taking care of your room? Yeah, um, that's an interesting deal. So um, one of the things that um, we're still kind of in the middle of life kind of mm -hmm. talk from your from your story perspective. Mm -hmm. um, did you have any uh, transcendental moments when you were a kid? Any experiences that uh, were life changing? Uh, that moved you closer to uh, a spiritual existence or not, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, certainly at that age, uh, growing up, yeah, some of the things that you remember are, to me at least, were some of the adults that would pour into you when you were at, at church. Yeah. So I had a few uh, Sunday school leaders that, you know, in those formative ages when you're hitting sort of 13, 12, 13, whatever, uh, that just would speak truth. Uh, to you, which was, uh, which was amazing. You know, looking at it as an adult now, you have a different point of view of that because at the, at that time when you're a kid, that's just it's just the guy that shows up. Mm -hmm. You don't realize that he's actively pouring into you. You know, uh, so so yes, um, I would say there was a foundation being laid there, but there was also something else that was happening that was kind of kind of in the other direction, right? Pulling me in the other direction. Mm -hmm. Uh, do you remember Prestonwood Mall? Yeah. Oh man, I loved that place. <laughs> that place was great because it had a, a tilt. You remember tilt? It was the arcade. Uh, okay, and it was right next to the um, to the ice skating rink. Okay. But then it was this one long shot. The mall was like one big long shot. So back in the days of shopping malls, uh, you could go spoke or you could have the one long shot. They had the long shot. So we were that. We used to go there every Friday. We'd go to the me and my family walk up and down, walk up and down, but we would go to the cafeteria, which was a Morrison's that turned into a Luby's. Mm -hmm. And then you'd walk up and down the mall. And, um, I had to be maybe my son's age. I had to be about 10 years old walking. We started walking down the mall and there's cars all inside the mall, um, parked, you know, with ropes around them. Every one of them was a Corvette. Oh, wow. So the local Corvette club was doing, was having a show in the mall. Nice. And I, it melted, it melted me. I mean, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't handle it. And looking at all these Corvettes, I, I still remember it was the first time I saw, they, there was a 1954 Corvette there, um, which is the same thing as a 53. Right. And it was, it blew me away. I'd never seen anything like that before. They had a 1963 Corvette that I hadn't seen anything like that. So I bought a, um, I went to the bookstore because that's always where you'd end up, uh, where we'd meet the folks, go to Walden Books. And I bought like a buyer's guide to Corvettes. Uh. And that kind of set this, this road for me that, you know, you're asking about like, like spiritual things, right? Mm -hmm. It set me on this road that I would say is like kind of this road to idolatry, you know, of that kind of stuff. It became a huge passion of mine to the point that it even, it directed where I went, you know, what I wanted to do in college. So I became, I went to college to be a mechanical engineer because I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to go work for GM and fix what they weren't doing right on the, on the Corvette thing, <laughs> which at the time I was like, there's a lot that I, I would change. So I wanted to go do that. Well, you know, over the, to, to kind of bring the story back to where you, you were, to the question you were asking. Sure. Um, I ended up getting into the Corvette hobby myself. I had a few Corvettes, you know, did restorations on them, loved it. I was part of the local Corvette club. You know, I had, um, <clears throat> my favorite one was this 1970 Corvette that was beautiful. And I had the assembly manual from that you would have in the, the factory, right? So I had all this stuff. I knew that assembly manual very, very well. I knew it better than I knew my Bible. Well, those cars needed a lot of help. They did. They did. But this was the build <laughs> manual, too. So this wasn't just the fix it. This was how it's made on the line. So I knew where everything was and how it was supposed to be marked up and all that. Um, but I knew it better than I knew my Bible, for sure. Sure. You know, because I was spending all my time doing that. Yeah. And um, uh, I just, the uh, short version of the story is there was a title dispute on that car. You know, as you can come into with old cars all sure. the time. And uh, uh, a judge ruled that the car goes back to this owner that was like four down, four back in the chain. Wow. So we get the car uh, back to that owner. And it was a bit of a wake-up call for me. 
you know, because it really grieved me to get rid of that car. It was my dream car. I've been wanted that forever. I love driving it. It was so wonderful. Um, but I loved it too much. It was just, uh, you know, idolatry for me. So once that was taken away, um, I was able to see that that was a huge blessing. So God had removed something that was way too important to me. You know, that took too big of a chunk of my heart. And once that, once that sort of left, it opened up a spot for me to like, okay, maybe I should know God's word a little better than I know this assembly manual for the 70 Corvette. And, and, uh, uh, it, 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 my spiritual life really took off from that point. Um, and at that point I was, was already, this after yeah. college or this was after college. Okay. Yeah. This was after college. This was after college, after grad school, okay. shortly after grad school, got the Corvette, okay. had a few others and, um, uh, got married. And so I got rid of that. That was that idolatry part was gone and, um, ended up with another one in the garage shortly after that. But I didn't look at it the same way, you know? I looked at it, at, this is just sort of a fun thing to do. This wasn't my identity, right. you know? And um, uh, had that for a, a couple of years, restored it. It was, it was at the top of its game. And we were getting ready to have my first daughter. So this was about 20 years ago. Okay. And I realized I've got to get rid of this car because um, I don't want that idolatry to creep back in. Yeah. And right now, the only place that car can go is down, yeah. you know, because I had a brand new paint job. I had redone the interior. And the next thing you know, somebody's going to be playing Barbies on the hood right. or like a car carrier is going to be sat down on, on it. <laughs> it's like, this is not like, that's not that important to me. Get rid of it. So we're just going to shelf that for a while. And that's sort of off the, off the plate for a while. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, so that actually, that was just kind of a punctuator to me of what's important, you know, what, what should be important? Where do I need to be spending my time? Where do I need to be focusing? Okay. And, uh, God just grabbed my attention that way. Got it. Yeah. So we fast forwarded through some things. So, uh, yeah. where did you meet your wife and, mm -hmm. and how did that, uh, how did that go down? Um, I met my wife, um, the way that, uh, a lot of people meet their wives. I picked her up in a bar. <laughs> yeah, we, we have this joke. We In Sunday school class, we'd always go around and people introduce like, hey, how'd you meet your wife? Well, we met in singles or we met in this Sunday school class or we met in whatever. And they're like, Steve and Kathy, how'd y'all meet? I'd be like, I picked her up in a bar. She, um, the, the, what really happened though was um, I went to a Texas Aggie happy hour and uh, met her there. So. Very cool. Yeah. All right, well, let's take a break. We'll be right back. sounds like there's a story there so uh can yeah. you fill us in on that <laughs> well there is i was working i was working late at the office at sun microsystems and there were a couple of other guys in the office that were single and they came by and said uh man we should go do something what do we what should we do and i just gotten a note that said you know hey there's a texas aggie happy hour happening you know at this at this place and um i said why don't we go to this aggie happy hour i haven't been to one you know the local aggie happy hour so, I, so we went to that. Um, it just so happened that my wife-to-be was also there and had exactly the same kind of thing. She knew some Aggies and, hey, I've never been to one of these before. She hadn't been to the thing before either. So why don't we go? So she went, hadn't been to one. I went, hadn't been to one. And, uh, you know, saw her across the room and made my way over to chat rest, with her this history yeah, and the rest is the rest is history so she would not give me her phone number it was really funny you know so i had business cards and you had your you know cell phone office phone pager number and all that stuff on there and so she was super impressed that i had like a business card with a like a legit sounding title you know she wouldn't give me her phone number so i gave her my card you know and a couple of days later she's at her mom's house 
And she's talking about like, yeah, she, she, her mom said, how was that thing? She goes, eh, it was great. I met this guy, but I don't know. I don't think I want to call him because I met him at a bar. <laughs> and her mom, and it, it, she's so wise. Her mom said, well, you were there. Yeah. <laughs> so she goes, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll give him a call. So she called me and then, then the rest is history. Very cool. So, yeah. Well, fun fact, my, my met my wife at church, uh-huh. but I proposed to her on the Battleship of Texas. Did you really? Yeah, and I know that you've oh, been following yeah. and, and, uh, and dealing with that. Uh, that. That story hasn't gone out very much because she was not really happy that I did it there. I was going to say, that's like not the most romantic place to propose, but I no, love it. but she was expecting it, and I wanted it to be somewhere that was not expected. Uh-huh. It was not. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be, I would love to hear that story. I want be, to know, like, what did you say to her? Uh, well, I just got down on my knee and took up, brought out the ring and did the thing, you know. She said yes, but she was not happy about it. <laughs> her mom and dad were actually visiting. My mom and dad live in Houston, so her uh-huh. parents were in from Puerto Rico. And it was kind of the meet the parents and uh-huh. set, set the date and all that kind of stuff weekend. So it was kind of expected. But were I, they all there, like on the ship? Watching they were it? there. They weren't up there. We were up in the, when, in the crow's nest uh-huh. near the top. Because <laughs> I kept on going up. And she's like, why are we going up? It was a really hot day, you know, uh-huh. humid, humid in Houston kind of thing. So, yeah, it was fun. Oh, my God. So I'm, I'm anxious to find out what they do with it once they've uh, – rehabilitated it you know in the yeah they don't line. know yet do they no yeah so that'll be interesting but it's somewhere people actually go no one goes to La port yeah okay. that's that's true i think stick it in galveston yeah sea wolf park in. over where the uh yeah that'd be all that'd make all the sense in the world okay So I, uh, we've already said this several times. You are an Aggie, you know, mm-hmm. you, st- you go to games and do all that kind of thing. Uh, more now than I used to. Yeah. Um, I yeah. More now than I used to. So, you know, it, it's funny because uh, people that are Aggies, a lot of times they're just like full on Aggies and they're going down there all the time. Right. That wasn't, that wasn't us. So I married a Longhorn. My wife is a Longhorn. <laughs> and so we didn't do a lot of, like, let's go to Aggie games or let's go to UT games. We went to a lot of SMU games. I take the kids to SMU all the time because it's right down oh, the street. It's yeah. It's, yeah, it's right down the street. They had a great tailgating thing. The business school always had something you could go do. Sure. Um, it was super accessible. You could park real easy. You know, the so we had season tickets to SMU, so we would go do that. And then I started thinking, oh, I'm making a mistake here. I'm kind of grooming them to be <laughs> Mustangs. Um, I'd rather them. So, you know. But, but yeah, so uh, we started going to a little more Aggie stuff lately now that my daughter's daughter's down there. But, uh, but A&M, um, gosh, it's such a different animal than anything else that we've run into yeah. uh, from a public university standpoint, right. right? So if you think about, you know, going to a campus like UT versus going to a campus like A&M, um, there's this massively different vibe that's happening. It's always been that way. Aggies are very friendly. Um, you know, UT's kind of got its own thing, like keep Austin weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but what we noticed when we started like looking at the, at the colleges around was there was, there were far more, uh, just seemed like there was far more elements of truth that were happening in and around Texas A&M. There were some, like God's doing some amazing things with a lot of ministries on that mm-hmm. campus that just it's the opposite of what you hear when people tell stories about oh, watch watch out going to universities because you know all this crazy stuff is happening there so um it's a different place from when i was there yeah for sure but it's it's great yeah we're really impressed with it very cool yeah so the um my nephew went there and we went to a family I think of it as an indoctrination. It was a, everybody had to say an oath that they were going to help the, help the kid and all that kind of stuff. It was kind of fun. Oh yeah. Enjoyed it. And uh, we just, uh, just finished a a run at Baylor with my oldest son. And now Paula started at UNT Mm -hmm. and um, I'm impressed with the schools here in Texas, just in general. Oh yeah. Because I think, uh, I think they have their heads on straight regarding Mm -hmm. a lot of the social issues that are going on. So it's been, it's been a good experience for us as well. So get to wear green all over again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Just a different shade. 
Um, you know, one of the things that uh, you talked about your church community, you've been a part of the same one. Uh, there's longevity with your kids and the schools mm -hmm. that they went to and stuff like that. So community does become a very important part of our life. Yeah. Uh, at least here in Dallas. I mean, mm -hmm. the, um, uh, in the heat of the summer, there's not a lot of places to go other than mm -hmm. hang out with friends at restaurants and things like right. that uh, or the mall. Uh, yeah. Back, back in the day, that was probably why that was so important. Yeah. So what, what does, what does community mean to you here? Um, and then we'll move into the how you grew the community of the prayer breakfast. Mm, yeah, there's a lot of different elements of that community, right? Yeah. So to me, the the foundational element of the community is the family. Um, so for us, what that means is anytime that we can, we're going to be at the dinner table together. Yeah. So that's my primary community, you know. Um, my wife and kids, we're around the table sharing what's going on. Highs and lows for the day. You know, being involved in each other's lives. Yep. You can't just, everybody disappears to their different rooms or, uh, you know, goes and watches TV over here and watches TV over there. We kind of need to be together. So to me, that's the, that's the focal part of community. You know, and then from there, the next big one is, uh, you know, what you, what you get out of church. You know, the body of Christ stuff. Right. So you don't, go, you don't just go to church because you want to hear a great message or just go for the, you know, the teaching. Um, you go because, you know, you want to find people that you can lock arms with as you are, you know, raising your families and, mm -hmm. you know, going through life. And, and for us, that's been a huge blessing. Um, cause where we go to church at Prestonwood, we avoided that place for a long time because we wanted, um, we were trying to find like a home church. Smaller. It was really close. So we could, were going these concentric circles around a house, you know, just kind of trying to find, like, let's get a small church because we want to know everybody. Let's get one nearby because I want my kids to go to church with people that they go to school with and blah, blah, blah. That was our thought. Um, and, um, but we had some stuff to learn along those, along those lines. Okay. You know, talking about community, Steve, um, mm -hmm. one of the things that we're going to be doing on the 27th with the Association of Business Technology Professionals is Terrific. Bill Dimsky uh, of the Discovery Institute is going to be coming and talking about information as foundation of business and biology. It's really going to be a continuation of the conversation that we had with Stephen Meyer mm -hmm. in January. You guys are sponsoring the event. Uh, it's on Tuesday night before the prayer breakfast. Mm -hmm. So the cool thing is if you come and listen to this and you can either do it in person or online, you'll have some great table topics for the prayer breakfast on Saturday, uh, uh, Friday morning. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the speakers that you've had uh, at ABTP lately are fantastic. And especially I'm looking forward to this guy because if he's coming from the same organization that Stephen Meyer came from, yeah. that conversation was so cerebral. Yes. that it, uh, it it messed me up for days. It was great. It was great because uh, he talked about the uh, code and the DNA. Right. So I'm looking forward to hearing. Yeah, the I, next think, I think he's going to continue with it. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it and we'll see you there. Terrific. Thank All you. Right. Hmm. Special sciences that are already doing intelligent design in that sense. I mean, you consider, for instance, SETI, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. There are signals coming from outer space that tell that could potentially tell us that we were dealing with an alien intelligence. Well, welcome back. I'm here with uh, Steve Helms, and we're having an exciting conversation about community. Yeah. Um, Want to, is there anything else that you want to add to the, the community's uh, section of yeah, the conversation? Yeah, absolutely. So we were kind of in the middle of this, you know, talking about finding a church, yeah. you know, and being able to plug in to a body of believers. And for us, we were trying to find that magical small church that was really close to our house. It would be tiny. You'd know everybody. The kids would go to school with your kids. Couldn't find it. So we ended up going to a very large church just because we were tired of looking around. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, let's just go. We'll go to Prestonwood because we know that we like the Christmas show. Like, we'll just go check it out. And uh, never left, right? Because we, you know, the teaching resonated with us. We loved the choir. Like, this is fantastic. Christmas Spectacular is awesome. It is really good. I've been in it before. Yeah, have so you really? Great. Yeah. Um, but what, uh, what really makes that work 
which we didn't realize when we were trying to stay away from a big church was you get something that big, uh, you're going to find places where your kids can plug in. You know, you're going to find places where you can plug in. And our and for us, our little Bible fellowship family, um, and we still hang out with those folks quite a bit. I've got I could tell you stories for days about that. Um, we have seen so many things happen in that family. You know, births, deaths, loss of parents, people. Uh, people in the class uh, passing away. We've seen, um, you know, uh, marriages fall apart, marriages get restored. Uh, and every time something like that happens, we're just baffled by people that don't have that kind of community. Mm. Like, where do you go? Right. Where do you go? What do you do? If you're not plugged into a body of believers, um, um, gosh, life is hard. Life is hard. So we, so then that's the next part of community, which is our neighborhood. You know, so if I think about my neighborhood, I, those aren't people, those people don't all go to church with me, but we've, we've made a big effort over the last few years to like get to know the people in the neighborhood that we don't go to church with, get to know what's going on in the families because we don't want the people next door, something terrible to happen to them. And we don't know, we're not there to, to, to love on them. So, you know, that's, that's a big part. And that's all, all that to say, that's all the personal part of community. Right. Uh, You and I know each other more from this you know, work part of community mm-hmm. that, um, that, uh, wow, I've just learned more and more about every single day, but that network that you build over for me, the last 27, 28 years of, of being in, in the business is, uh, is something that's very difficult to communicate to somebody who's our kid's age. I think, you know, like, how do you, uh, you talked, you talked when you were on with Brad Cope, you talked about this idea that, you know, your thoughts become your actions, become right. your habits, become your character. Right. And so with, uh, you know, I see that played out all the time over the course of the, the career that I've had. Um, and then that character either, you know, helps you float or sinks you right. in your network. So, yeah. but that community, um, uh, has got to be cultivated, you know, it's not a set it and forget it kind of thing. Definitely. Yeah. So while we're on community, let's talk a little bit about the prayer breakfast. Sure. Uh, for those of you who don't know what the prayer breakfast is, um, I'll just give you a little bit of an introduction here. And maybe I'll do mission and vision. Sure. And then, uh, and then you can go off on wherever you want to go. I'll just do the mission. Mm-hmm. So the DFW uh, Technology Prayer Breakfast was created to connect technology leaders in North Texas to the convictions and passions they share with so many others here in the Metroplex. Uh, We are a voluntary-led organization located in Richardson, Texas. Jeff Clement had been the vision and passion of getting this event started with the support of the IT community here in DFW. Um, And uh, here's the mission statement. So the mission is, uh, our desire is to create a relevant business environment for technology professionals in DFW where a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ is present, uh, presented and nurtured. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the questions that I'd, I'd asked you uh, to think about was, you know, how does somebody start something like that? I know mm-hmm. you were there from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's grown into something extraordinary, uh, you know, upwards of 1,200 people getting together, uh, pre-COVID anyway. Mm-hmm. We'll see through this year. Yeah. Um, but how do you, how do, you do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and why would one do that for people that are in other s- cities or states that are interested in doing something? Well, I'll start with the why, right? That was pretty easy. We, um, there was a group of us, uh, part of our community, the network of, of folks that I had worked with before. And, you know, we're still, some of them we were, I was still working with, we get together every now and again over lunch and talk about, gosh, how could we live out our faith more boldly in the workplace. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Then we would try something like, let's do a little Bible study in the workplace. And then that falls apart because somebody leaves and goes somewhere else. And, it, you know, that, all that is very difficult because we all have very full lives. Right. Um, so we could never really crack the code. And then one day, one of the, um, one of the guys came and said, hey, I'm going to send you a video that I saw. My CEO, uh, Pat Gelsinger, gave a speech at this thing in Atlanta where he basically gave his testimony. Mm-hmm. And there was like a thousand people sitting around listening to it. Um, so we all, you know, we got real excited about that. I got excited about that. And so I started looking into what's this organization and what are they doing 
in Atlanta. They had already been doing this for 20 years. Uh, I found that there was a person at the company that I worked with that was uh, on the board of that group. So I picked up the phone and called him. And he talked to me for like two hours. Like, here's how you do a prayer breakfast. Here's what we do. Here's how this works. Here's how you plan. Here's how you organize. So I started getting excited. Okay, we're going to go do, do this and make this happen. A day later, he calls me back and says, hey, remember our conversation? I said, yeah. He goes, hold off. Don't do anything. He said, one of our guys is moving to Dallas, and he wants to start the prayer breakfast. And his name is Jeff Clement. Mm -hmm. So he said, I'll make sure you guys get, get in touch with each other. So Jeff came down, and he was really the guy that made it happen. So he came in and immediately started pulling together all these people that he didn't know, but he knew he needed to know them. And um, I, was, I was one of them. I just came in as like, let me serve however I can. I'm here to serve. I'm here to do whatever I can to help. And um, that was that first year. 2014 was the first wow. first event. Um, so that's how it started. Really was to have a number of people who had a heart to make it happen pull together and get some kind of leadership. Now, that leadership that Jeff brought was, was fantastic because he had experience. He had done it before. And he also had... Um, uh, he knew to go get wisdom. Mm -hmm. Bible says, here's the deal about wisdom. Go get it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so he did. And Staying he on the street. Yeah. It's, and so he, uh, one of the people that he saw is going to be our keynote speaker this year, mm -hmm. a guy named Dr. Mark Stone. And he said, yeah, I'm thinking about doing this prayer breakfast thing, but I don't really know if I want to do it. You know, it seems like a lot of work. Um, I'm not sure if it's really going to happen. And in his mind, it still was kind of like maybe an idea. Not really sure if we're going to do it. And Dr. Stone pulls out a legal pad and a pencil. He goes, let's start writing down the steps. Let's figure out what has to happen for this to become a real deal. And they start writing out, like, the plan. How do you do Like, how are we going to do a prayer breakfast? And he left that lunch, and he felt a little bit sick inside because uh, now he knew he had to do He's it. He's committed. Right? <laughs> He's committed. Like, Dr. Stone has given him the plan. He has to do it. So he did. And he... You know, uh, man, he bootstrapped that thing with, with this group of like very entrepreneurial volunteers who just wanted to make something happen and, and pulled some, some terrific leaders to the table to, to, to make it happen. And then after a couple of years, he ended up getting called back to, to Atlanta and asked me to step in as, as the president. And I've been serving uh, in that role ever since. Very cool. So. Awesome. Well, we're going to take a break and uh, hear a little bit about the prayer breakfast, and we'll be right back. Imagine coming together in a room with hundreds or a thousand people who are all either seeking a relationship with Jesus Christ or living out their faith or wanting to live it out more boldly at work. And we all come together and we encourage one another to be real. Here we bring all these leaders together from the DFW technology community and we allow a place where it's safe to talk about your faith in Christ. What we want you to do is we want you to get inspired to go back and live it out at work boldly. And we also want to provide a safe place for those who don't know Jesus to understand more about him and to start them to seek a faith of Christ on their own. So I'm back here with uh, Steve Helms. We just uh, saw the ad from the prayer breakfast. I'm really excited personally about going and seeing that. Yeah. Um, the, the cool thing about being a table host uh, this year, Steve and the, and the leadership there have uh, put together a thing where table hosts and sponsors get to have interaction with Dr. Stone. So I've uh, been able to see the message kind of progress mm -hmm. um, and it's going to be awesome. I mean, yeah. it, it's, uh, it's really powerful um, and I think very uh, impactful. So yeah. looking forward to that. That's going to be good. So uh, one of the things that uh, you and I had talked about was, kind of uh, to think about attitudes mm -hmm. in the in the marketplace of ideas, I guess. Mm -hmm. And uh, if there's one attitude that you would like to change uh, in our society, what do you think that would be and why? Well, um, there's a bunch of different ways to say kind of the same thing here, right? Okay. And uh, this may sound controversial, but it's really not. I don't think it is. Um, it's the idea that everybody, that there are so many people that are very, very easily offended mm -hmm. um, and very quick to blame. Mm -hmm. I've noticed that this is something that, you know, everybody says when they get older, 
ah, the new generation there, they don't get it. They, so we, it's kind of old manish to complain about that, but I think it's more acute than that right now. Yeah. Um, so uh, so I, I, there's a couple of books that I've read recently on the topic okay. uh, of that. One is called Unoffendable. Okay. And it's, that's really more about addressing that in yourself. So unoffendable, the idea being, you know, not letting everything that comes your way that you might disagree with set you off or trigger you right. or turn that other person into an enemy, right. you know, or create, um, create friction where there doesn't need to be friction. Right. So how, how can you go about your daily life being unoffendable? I think a lot of what we see today are people that are looking for ways to be offended because they're looking for a fight. Right. right? They're being disagreeable. Actively yes. Yes. Instead of, uh, yes. So if we talk about things like, how am I going to be a servant leader? How am I going to be more Christ-like? You know, I think, um, I think that's a great place to start, you know, to, to be less offended at right. everything that happens around you. I mean, just think if you're, you know, Jesus Christ could have been offended at everything he was looking at. You know, he's in sinful world, right? Yeah. Very easy for him to, to, to be offended by everything. But he didn't approach it all with offense. Yeah. Um, you know, he would clearly stay. If something was clearly wrong, it would be stated, right? He would state it. But if people came to him with something that was offensive or sinful, he would do what? He would express love to them. So... Well, he would heal them and then tell them to go and sin no more. Right. Yeah. So there was. A, so to me, that is a big one. So being that that level of of uh, I hate to, to to say people being thin skinned in that effort, but it's 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 either being thin skinned or being prickly. It's like kind of kind of two sides of the same coin. Of I'm just looking for a fight. Um, I disagree with you, and so therefore, you know, you're a terrible person, and, and we're we're going to have an argument yeah, about it. I, I'm. Uh, I'm talking to the uh, the pastor at GBU where I teach and uh, for the student body, the pastor mm -hmm. there. And he's probably going to come on the show. We were talking about this, but the, uh, the whole thing that's happening right now uh, culturally is that people are taught to be offended mm -hmm. uh, at language that they don't agree with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So the, the whole problem with that scenario is that if you, take a position on something that you're going to be offended mm -hmm. Well, you're going to be offended yeah. and then there is no room for moving forward. Yeah. So what we need to do in society is to teach people how to have dialogue, Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, you tell me what you think about something. I tell you what I think about something. Mm -hmm. We figure out where we can meet and agree to and then move forward together. Mm -hmm. Right. But that's not a, that's not a common thing. Uh, yeah. And that's one of the reasons that I'm that I started the show. I want to have great dialogue with people. Now, you and I don't have that many things that we disagree on. Right. At least we're not looking to be disagreeable. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's not what I mean. It's just like let's look at ideas and uh, from a three sixty degree view and and uh, and try them on without completely you know rejecting the person mm -hmm. uh, because we don't agree with what they're saying. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's a uh... You, if you look at the one, one of there's a podcaster. He's an author uh, that I, I read his stuff. I listen to his podcast. He's all about goal setting. Okay. He's a very motivational guy. His name is John Acuff, and uh, he said something last November in a podcast that I thought was fantastic. He was giving some tips on how to get through the holiday season, starting with Thanksgiving, and one of them was, "What do you do with the?" Um, you know, the drunk uncle that comes over and he wants to yell about politics, right? And he, uh, he said it very succinctly. He goes, remember this, um, politicians are temporary. Family is forever, yeah. you know? And it was a very, very simple way of saying, uh, you know, there's so much underneath that, but it's a simple way of saying, like, this person's going to come or go, this politician, but there's something more important and that's family and the relationship, right? you know? So if I look at it through that lens, um, you know, somebody comes at me at, at Thanksgiving dinner and says something that I think is crazy or I'm offended by it. Like daughter comes home from college. Ah, dad, I sold the car that you gave me and I gave all the money to like this political organization that you disagree with, you know, like I could have some actual anger about that. I'm sure. But, um, 
also you don't want to destroy a relationship with that, right? Or if they just came simply came in and said, "Hey, you know, list a bunch of things I disagree with. What's you know what do I what's more important to me? Like winning a little argument, right? Or, or having a having a loving long term relationship. Yeah. So politicians are temporary. Family is forever. I just thought that was That's a was well said. Keen insight. Yeah. Very cool. So. Um, one of the things that we're we also wanted to talk about was kind of who you're listening to and mm-hmm. kind of who's influencing you. Yeah, and I think there's a couple of different pers- perspectives you have on that from different perspectives, different groups of people. Yeah, so yeah. Who are those? And let's chat about that. So for me, you know, I mean, obviously, you know me. The um, primary source of influence for me is going to be God's word, mm-hmm. right? So. I would encourage Filter. everybody, like, get yourself a Bible and don't keep it looking pretty, right? Get yourself something you can take notes in, something like when you're listening to podcasts, when you're going to church, you can take notes, you can dirty it up. When you're reading it, you can mark it up. Like, you want um, you want to pour that in. So, to me, that's primary. So, it would be inappropriate for me not to, to state that right up front. Sure. So, to me... We're going to go through God's word as a filter. Uh, some of the other things, though, are just like, gosh, what else do I want to pour into myself? And um, one of them are, you know, some of these podcasters like John Acuff. He's, his comes out every Monday morning, and it's always very motivational and uplifting and fun and funny. Um, it's called All It Takes is a Goal. And I'm a little bit of a goal nerd. Um, he is a lot of a goal nerd. I actually have, um, you know, I've got my show and tell items here. So here I've got my... This is my 2022 20, goals, ah, very nice. right? which then probably didn't show up on camera all that well, which is good because I don't really want you to see all of them. But there's <laughs> there's some stretch goals there. Yeah, but it's stuff like, uh, you know, family goals, financial goals, work goals, health goals. Uh, a lot of this, it gets informed from, uh, you know, the things I read, including the Bible, right? Sure. And including, um, uh, let's see. Here's one that's influencing me. I Steve, my... why don't we take a break okay. and, and we'll come back on that next thought. Terrific. Okay. So, uh, you know, goal setting is, is one of those things. Yeah. And, and that gets informed a lot by what, you know, you consume, what you read, what you listen to. Right. Um, and so for me, one of the primary places that, you know, I'm getting influenced is by my family. Mm-hmm. You know, I talked about them as the core right. of, uh, you know, that. So to me, my family influences me. And then it's not just my wife, it's my kids too. So my middle daughter um, said, hey, I saw this book that I thought you might be interested in it because I know you like to, to speak and it's called Speak Like Churchill, Stand Like Lincoln. It caught her attention because uh, I love Winston Churchill. I think he's a fascinating character. Yeah. And uh, she knows that I love that given a chance, I'll get up on the stage and speak to anybody. I love it. So I go, okay, well, I'll get this book that my daughter recommended and see if it's any good. And if you can see this, they won't see it on camera, but it's like dog-eared everywhere I've, on the top and on the bottom. This is a fantastic book. If, if you ever have to get up and speak to anybody or even write something, this book is a must-have. Awesome. So I'm being influenced by... Churchill. Yeah, so being influenced by Churchill and great writers like that. So that comes from the family, right? Okay. Um, and then also, you know, I'm very influenced by, um, these people that we run into that are volunteers for the prayer breakfast. They, uh, pour into me in a way that's just unbelievable. Um, I learned from so much from them about, uh, being a leader, leadership, um, you know, it's leading an organization that's all volunteer. Nobody's getting paid. You know, they're not on your payroll. You can't discipline them. You know, like you, all you can do is, is lead and hope that they want to go to the same common goal. Um, and uh, use their time wisely and just be very, uh, very caring, uh, as you go along. And, and a couple of the folks that I've been, uh, learning from one is our keynote speaker. So Dr. Stone wrote this book. It's about, uh, it's about networking. Okay. So this is a terrific book for anybody uh, who's got a job or wants to have a job in the future. Uh, the three C's. It's about uh, your character. It's about connecting, and it's about communicating. So it's easy read. You can read this in a day. But he put together some very, very cogent thoughts 
so learning from him, he's a big influence on me right now. Awesome. Uh, and then one that I'm in the middle of, um, do you ever read books? Like sometimes you plow through it. Like I was just telling you, this one's a fast read, right? Sometimes you got to go slow. So for me, this is a book that I'm going slow on. This goes back to our topic of people being uh, offended. Right. You know, this right. is this is kind of a part of that spectrum, which is, okay. uh, you know, this is about blaming others and having excuses, okay. you know, for, uh, because when we talk about what's, you know, what do we see in the culture that we don't like right now, it's that I'm offended by everything and it's all your fault and I'm going to blame you, right? This book is written by a friend of ours, Robert Hunt. Yeah. So when your friend writes a book, you're required to read it. It would be stupid not to read your friend's book yeah. and not to mention rude. So I'm like going through and I'm, and, uh, I'm reading it very slowly. You can see I've got things dog-eared in here as well. But this is, this I think should be required reading of anybody going to college. Oh, very right? good. Paul, um, we have a book for you. Yes. And I don't know that that was his intended audience, mm -hmm. but as I read it as somebody who's sending a kid to college, mm -hmm. it's like, Hmm. It's kind of like when you hear a sermon, and you're like, next. you're like, that's oh man, me. my cousin needs to hear that one. <laughs> so that was, so that's really good. So that yeah. that influences me. Uh, well, good. So Ro so Robert actually influences me too. I I enjoy uh, his speaking. He's uh, I think he's going to come in March of next year to uh, ABTP. We've already scheduled it. Terrific. And uh, yep. I did pre-order the book. I don't think I've got it yet. Or at least I haven't seen it yet. But uh, I'm looking forward uh -huh. to to reading it. Um, and of, I don't know, 40 or 50 people that I asked to give me feedback on the first podcast that I did, uh -huh. he and one other person were the ones that actually took the time to, to provide some insights. That's awesome. So, yeah, he's a great guy. He's great. Yeah. Well, also, um, from an um, influence standpoint, I don't know yeah. if this carves into some other topic, but okay. I'm, one of the things I love is reading history, yeah. right? And part of that, I don't know, maybe part of that has to do with the fact that I love reading history in the Bible as well. I like reading current, like relatively current history um, that has to do with things that my family was involved in. So that informs me greatly, and I love it. So I've kind of been on this kick lately around uh, Gettysburg. Yeah. And I've read this. I'm in the middle of reading this the third time through. Wow. Okay, so the book that I'm holding up is called The Killer Angels. If you're just listening to the audio, um, you should read it. You should read it. This is about the Battle of Gettysburg, and it's a novelization of it, right? Um, and it's full of crazy leadership lessons. You know, in fact, the reason I got my hands on this book was 20-something uh, years ago at work, one of the managers had this on the list of, if you want to be a leader in this organization, you have to read this book. So I read it, and I kind of fell in love with the Gettysburg thing. And then I've got, turns out I've got family that uh, fought in the battle. So it influences me in that it's like kind of makes its way onto my goal list. I actually had on my goal list go to Gettysburg and go to this, these specific spots on the battlefield. You've already accomplished And that. I did that. I did that back in uh, May. I spent three days on the battlefield mm -hmm. and completely nerded out. <clears throat> it was super fun um, to the point where uh, I met in one of my tours. This guy came rolling up um, and I started talking to him and he's, you know, he was very funny and he knew all this stuff about the battlefield. And he said, uh, he said, yeah, yeah, I got a podcast. You should listen to it. And he gave me a card and the podcast was called Addressing Gettysburg. Oh, wow. Addressing Gettysburg. And so I've tuned in and listened to a few episodes and they'll go super deep on all these crazy topics of what happened in Gettysburg or who this person was or, you know, what this person was thinking or what the situation was around you know, this one area of the battlefield and they'll just go deep for like an hour and a half. And, uh, I never thought I'd be that interested in that stuff, but it's, it's, it's really interesting. Geeking out on it. Yeah. Really geeking out on it. Very cool. Yeah. Well, you'll hear, uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, Charles Crouch is going to become a, a guest of mine. And we actually talk about Gettysburg cause I've been there too. Yeah. And, uh, went on a tour with uh, Dick Dooley and one of the generals from the war college. Oh, and it okay. was a phenomenal experience. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. But I'll have to, I have that book. I'll have to pick it up again and read yeah. it again. If you ever go again, yeah. you'll like this. Um, go on a bike tour. There's a there's a company called Geddes Bikes. Uh, Geddes Bikes. And you, um, uh, they've got a few different tours that you can do, like a half day and a full day. Sure. 
And so uh, I went on this bike tour and it was terrific. Licensed battlefield guide will take you through the whole thing. That's awesome. And you get to see everything. Yeah. But if you read this first, um, that would be a good start. You have the context. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. For sure. So and did it, you do the cavalry run around the mountain with, on the bikes? Uh, no, we did not do the cavalry run, but we okay. did We did uh, Little Round Top. We did Devil's Den, Wheatfield. Uh, okay. We went to where everything started, where Reynolds was killed over on the other side of McPherson's Ridge. And we went down Seminary Ridge and we did uh, Pickett's Charge. And, okay. you know, so we're on Cemetery Hill, uh, then went to Culp's Hill. Lake. Like we did everything. We did everything. So awesome. it's it's definitely worth seeing. You know, it's, um, I was prepared. I felt like I was going to be bored because I watched one of the other things I love is um, there's a YouTube channel called History Traveler. Have you seen this? No. Okay, so it's actually called History Underground, and then there's a show on it called History Traveler. And my daughters make fun of me for watching it all the time. They think it's super boring because they don't care about history, and I can't get enough of it. This guy, he walks around, and he's just on foot, and he's got his selfie camera, and he's walking you through these things that happened in history. And he did a, uh, a multi-part series on Gettysburg. So I felt like I had been to all these places already. So when you get there on bike and walk around and actually lay eyes on it, it was crazy. That's pretty it was cool. crazy fantastic. So Awesome. Yeah. Well, this has been a, a, a fascinating conversation today. Um, I appreciate you coming out. Uh, we're going to take one last break, and then we'll come back for final thoughts and Terrific. see if there's anything for us to talk about yet. All right. I'm back with Steve Helms, and uh, we've had a great conversation today, Steve. I've learned a lot about you, uh, your character, and that you are a character, too. Huh. <laughs> we've kind of been all over the map. Yeah, we have. Yeah. We have. Uh, so it's been a lot of fun for me. I hope it, it was for you oh, yeah, as well. For sure. For sure. Um, I think we've covered all the ground that we were planning to, to cover. Mm -hmm. uh, is there anything else that you have that you'd like to talk about today? Um, well, can we talk a little bit about uh, the prayer breakfast sure. that's coming up? Yeah, definitely. Um, so this year, September the 30th, is when we're having uh, the prayer breakfast. So for those of you that are watching this in the future, we're talking about 2022, September the 30th. And uh, I would invite anybody who's uh, got any interest at all in networking with anybody to come. Okay, so the way that the prayer breakfast works is, okay. for those who haven't seen it, uh, it's at the Irving Convention Center which uh, is a great place to have a technology event. You know, they're fantastic people to work with and they've got huge rooms. And so what we do with those rooms is we open up the, the big floor on the bottom and we fill them up with tables. And uh, the way that you go to the prayer breakfast is you either buy a table um, or, and that would seat 10 people. So you and nine of your friends, or you're invited to a table. So uh, you can bring somebody with you, you know, somebody, you can just show up. So, right. but, but all the tables are paid for. Uh, why? Because we just want to cover our costs sure. and we want to cover the cost of the meal. So you're going to get a breakfast and you're going to have a couple of hours of being in a room full of everybody that you should know in Dallas, you know, uh, in DFW tech, especially. Uh, so, uh, the, what we've heard from people that have been to the prayer breakfast before are things like, I heard a message that I had never heard before and it touched my life. Um, it brought me closer to a God, right? Um, I was, ex you know, I had never heard that like I could have a personal relationship with Jesus. All those things are, are kind of been our mission, right? Um, but it's not a church service. It's not, it's an event. You're going to go, you're just going to, you're going to hear that stuff through the course of the keynote speech, but it's going to be things that you can take back to work with you, applicable things. So it's the kind of event that you can get a table and invite all kinds of people that don't go to church or uh, may never want to darken the door way of a church or just people that are customers or partners of yours or people that you work with or friends and neighbors. You can bring them 
And you're going to, uh, you're going to be surprised at the people that you bump into. Uh, the folks that come to that, um, the other thing that they tell us, aside from the spiritual element, is it's the one time a year that I get to see these people that I used to work with that I haven't seen in forever. Right. Or uh, I did not realize that so-and-so that I used to work with would be interested in something like this, yet here they were, and I was so excited to see them. Um, or I've been trying to get a meeting with that person for the last five years, and I sat at a table with them for two hours, and we shared uh, you know, thoughts over breakfast. So, uh, so it's worthwhile from a bunch of different angles, right? You know, our mission and vision is to have this rel this relevant business environment where a, uh, uh, a relationship with Jesus Christ can be presented and nurtured, right? Um, the way that plays out for everybody is a little bit different. Um, it is a phenomenal networking event that, uh, um, all the credit goes to the volunteer organization that I just have the um, pleasure of serving with. You know, they pour their, they pour hours and hours into it. And you're going to find that it's a very professional event. Uh, the food's great. Uh, and the it people, the people are very friendly. So, and we've got, uh, for those that have been before, you'll be happy to know that we have two coffee sponsors this year. <laughs> no one's going to run out of coffee. <laughs> no That's one's going to run thing. out of coffee. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing you there. Um, I really appreciate you coming out on this uh, beautiful Friday afternoon and uh, spending some time with me, yeah. getting to know each other better. And I'll look forward to seeing you at the prayer breakfast on the 30th. It's going to be great. Thanks, it will Mike. be. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, and talk to you soon. Bye-bye.